0: Right, what's up everybody? Welcome to church. It's great to have you in God's house today. You fired up to be in church today? Yeah. I want to say hello to those who are watching online and to our church family in correctional facilities all across the state. Come on church, let's make them feel welcome today. It's great to have you with us. Grab something to take some notes with if you haven't already, and as you do, I want to remind you, we are in 21 days of prayer and fasting. We are starting week two, and we are gathering every day throughout the week, both here and in Bluffton from 12 to 1, to pray and to seek God's face. It's been an incredible time of prayer. If you haven't been able to join us, man, I would love for you to come. Drop by any day throughout the week or come every day. If you can't come in person, you can join us live online through the app or the website If you can't do that, we'll archive it for you so you can watch it sometime throughout the day. Man, this will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. And we're doing everything we can to help you in that journey. Prayer really draws us closer to God. And then fasting is the discipline of silencing our flesh and silencing the world. So we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't jumped into the time of fasting, I want to encourage you to do so. Lots of different ways that you can participate in fasting All those resources are available to you in the app. You can download the app if you haven't already and then read through those. And uh, man, there's lots of really healthy things you can do to begin to silence the world and to discipline your flesh as we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit jump in. It's going to be an amazing two more weeks. And if you haven't been a part of it, two weeks is plenty of time to fast, all right? It's going to be a great time. So join us. Now, I want to quickly say for those of you who maybe have never fasted before and you're kind of new to all this and you came in like gangbusters we were like, man, I'm going to shut off everything in my life. No social media, no email. I'm not going to eat any food. Like I'm going all in, baby. And then like by Tuesday you were eating pizza, crying as you binge watch Netflix, feeling like a horrible Christian. Just relax, all right? It's so easy for us as Christians to turn these wonderful spiritual disciplines into things that can be very religious and very life-taking, very condemning, don't let fasting be that for you chances are you may have just jumped in a little bit too deep, all right? So let the Holy Spirit lead you. There's lots of different ways you can fast. Take a deep breath, get back on the horse, maybe reevaluate what you're doing for your fast, and then join us for the last two weeks. Don't let the devil beat you up and win that battle because he knows that you are going to see great spiritual momentum by participating. And it's not what you fast, it's that you fast. It's just that you participate With us, and I believe God's going to move in your life. All right, very quickly, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Our word for the year as a church is the word pursue. Man, as I was praying over this year, I couldn't help but continue to think about all the loss that we've had over the last couple of years. And I know some of you have been through some great tragedies in relationships and in finances, in your career, maybe in ministry, lost opportunities. And God took me to this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Where he said to David, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And I believe that's God's word for us this year. That the world is trying to get you to be a victim. The world is trying to tell you things are outside of your control. But that's not the life God has called us to live. The life of faith is a life of trusting in God and taking steps walking things out, and then God's power joins us in that moment. And I just want you to know that David was at the lowest point of his life in this passage. He'd lost his finances, lost his friends, he'd lost his family, lost his future. Really, everything in his life was gone, and this became this revival catalyst moment for him. He turns to God, and he pursues the enemy, and God blessed his life more than he could possibly imagine and catapulted him to to his destiny And I believe God wants to do the same for you this year. If you'll just put the effort forth to work on your marriage, pursue your kids, work on your finances, pursue the future that God has for you, I believe this will be a year of great recovery and great blessing. Let the favor of God rest on your life in supernatural ways. Amen, everybody. God wants to bless you more than you could possibly imagine. And the beautiful thing about that is that God wants to do it now. So many times when we think about faith and we talk about this spiritual journey, we think, well, maybe someday out in the future. No, 2 Corinthians tells us, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor and now is the day of salvation. This is our theme verse for this series because this year I will finally, there's so many things we put on the list year after year of dreams and goals we'd like to see come to pass, and yet it feels like years pass without anything really changing. I believe this is the year. Why not this be the moment? Why is it this the time that God could touch you, God could heal you, God could restore you, God could bless you? Man, God wants to do some great things in your life if you and I will just have faith for it. I got about 12 of you excited. I'm going to keep working on it, all right? I'll get the rest of you. And so last week we started this series talking about how we have to get focused. It really touches everything in life. You'll never reach any of your goals if you fall for the trap that Jesus talked about. The drunkenness of life, the dissipation, the hangover that comes from living this scattered life, trying to run in so many different directions, full of anxiety. It's a trap the devil has for every one of us, and so many of us as believers fall for it in modern day culture. The reality is, Jesus said, I have a yoke that fits perfectly for you, and if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to watch that message in its entirety. I think it'll help you. I want to pick up, though, where we left off last week, Hebrews chapter 12, kind of echoes that thought. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by the heroes of faith, the people that have gone on to be with the Lord before us, they're cheering us on, so we ought to strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So I want to once again say, like we talked about last week, there is a race that only you can run. There is a life that only you are called to live God made you one of one. You are an original, and you're supposed to touch the lives of people around you by finding your purpose and living out that purpose, and yet, at the same time, while we're trying to run that race, every one of us has weight that slows us down and sin that trips us up. Today, I want to talk to you about those things, those weights and those sins that seem to keep popping up in our lives. How are we going to deal with those to be the people God's called us to be? The message today is this year I will finally get free. I will finally get free. For some of you, it will help you with an area of addiction in your life. With others of you, it may just help empower you to get some areas of your life under control. Like you may be saying, I'd really like to get healthy. I'd like to change my diet. I'd like to exercise. Or I'd like to get my finances under control and get out of debt. I think we need freedom before any of those things can happen. Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians Chapter six, verse twelve, he says, Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Now, I don't know if you know that there are some things in life that aren't necessarily sin. They're just not necessarily good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like donuts. We're in a fast, so we're gonna talk a lot about food today. That's just how it's gonna roll, all right? You're just gonna have to deal with it. And so I love donuts. I don't know about y'all, but I just there's something about them. They just have my number, a good donut. I could eat 40 of them right now. It just sound Absolutely amazing. And so when I first got introduced to Krispy Kreme, I thought that was really the Lord's blessing to planet Earth. And you can really spiritualize, you know, Krispy Kreme. You're driving along and it's hard in Indianapolis because they all closed around us. But if you're on vacation anywhere and you drive past and you see that little magic light, you know the one from heaven that says donuts are hot right now? You don't know what I'm talking about. You could spiritualize it. Say, the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. I am here at this moment for this time. God has ordained me to be here to buy those donuts that are hot in Jesus' name. That is the Lord leading my steps. So you get in the drive through just like I do, and you order yourself some, some Krispy Kreme. And you're not trying unless you eat at least a dozen. You know what I'm talking about? When they're hot, you squeeze those things together in one bite at a time. It only takes 12 bites to eat a whole dozen. But there's somewhere about 30 minutes after that that you're like, that was not beneficial. (laughs) And if repeated over time, I'm going to have some serious problems in my life by something that was permissible, but now it becomes a problem because it's really not beneficial. A lot of us have some things like that in life. There are weights that slow us down, sin that trips us up. Paul goes on to say everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. Read that with me. I will not be mastered by anything. Come on one more time. I will not be mastered by anything. So my question for you today, and I really want you to think about it. What has mastered you? What has mastered you? Because if we're honest with ourselves, probably everybody here today would say, my life would be better if, this, if I could just get this one thing changed. If I could just stop that one thing behavior, if I could just get over this one addiction, if I could just get past that one pain, if I could just overcome that one sin, man, everything would be different. Paul says everything's permissible, but not not everything's beneficial. And I'm just going to live my life, Paul says, in a way that's not mastered by anything. That's why fasting is so good. You just have to push away the plate sometimes and say, you know what? It doesn't matter how much I love donuts. I can go 21 days without a donut. Donuts aren't running my life. My news app doesn't run my life. My cell phone does not run my life. That video game I like to play doesn't run my life. That food I like to eat, that doesn't control my life. I'm not going to be mastered by anything. What has you mastered? For some of you, it could be something like alcohol. Maybe you tell yourself, I'm just a social drinker, but yet in your heart you know time and again you take it too far. And as much as you'd like to push it away and never be a part of it, you just, you just can't. Maybe you've even tried on your own and you find yourself back at it. Others of you, it could be drugs, maybe even prescription drugs. You, you had an injury or a pain or you had a traumatic moment and one thing led to another and now you're hiding things. You know you're an addict. You're trying to work through it, but you just can't get free. For others of you, it could actually be food. There's a lot of people that have a very unhealthy relationship with food on both sides of the aisle. For some of you, you're pounding food when no one's watching and you know that you need to get over the food addiction and yet there's something comforting about it, something calming about it that soothes your soul and it's just, it's something that you need. Others of you, maybe your relationship with food is incredibly unhealthy because all you can see is a number on the scale. And so you're pushing away the nutrients that your body needs. For others of you, it could be something entirely different. Maybe you're just a liar. Like you just lie all the time. In fact, you're in conversations and you're lying about stuff that doesn't even matter. And you're thinking, why am I lying right now? This is such a stupid lie. But I'm still lying. And now I've got to tell seven more lies to back up the one lie I told. And I hate the fact that I'm a liar. But my natural reaction when people ask me a question is just to lie. Maybe you're a gossip. And you know, it's bad. You feel bad when you do it. Like there's something in your soul that's like, I feel yucky, but yet at the same time, you can't resist when that phone call comes because you just love to know the juice. It's just something about it that just makes you feel alive, and you love to talk about it. And man, we can spiritualize it just like the donuts. Somebody's got to know this stuff, somebody's got to hold people accountable, somebody's got to pray. I heard about these three pastors that were out fishing, and they were good friends, three different churches in town, and they fished together all the time. And one day, finally, the first preacher says, you know what, I got to get something on my chest, man. I've just been really wrestling with lust lately, and it is just tearing me up inside. I got to tell somebody about it. I just, I just can't handle it anymore. I feel like it's got, a, it's got control over me. And the next pastor says, mom, I'm sure glad you said something because I've gotten myself addicted to gambling and I have just lost all of our money and I haven't told my wife and, and I'm upside down financially in my personal life and I'm so ashamed and embarrassed because I'm a pastor. The third guy says, you know what, to be honest with you, I really struggle with gossip and I can't wait to get off this boat and tell everybody what y'all have been doing <laughs> so we can pray for you. Maybe it's the internet, the things that you're looking at, or just the fact that you're researching. You just spend hours letting it consume you. Or maybe it's shopping. It's just some kind of endorphin release that comes when you get that little vibration, when you put stuff in your cart on Amazon. And you just, if you don't have something coming every day, you're worried about Fred, your delivery guy. Like, is he alive? Should we send out a search and rescue warning for him? You've got Primenesia. Y'all know what that is? Primenesia is where Prime is at the doorstep, but I can't remember ordering. <laughs> what did That's a weird sized box. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Got an extra dumpster just for Amazon boxes. For all of us it's something. Today I want to talk to you about the path very quickly that each one of us take to find ourselves in a place where we are trapped in unhealthy behavior because it's the same for all of us. We're gonna look at an Old Testament story and then I'm gonna give you, as we close it out, a few pointers that scripture gives us of how to live a free life. First, we're gonna go to Joshua. It's this amazing story. The nation of Israel is getting ready to conquer the promised land. And they come to the very first city and it's the Battle of Jericho. It's a city they should not have been able to beat. History tells us it's this incredible, impenetrable city with these massive walls. There's no chance that Israel can find themselves successful, and yet they get this vision from God. They march around the city, remember, and the walls came down. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Y'all know it? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the... Yeah, good. There's like 50 of you have been to Sunday school. great song. Not bringing that one back, but it's a good one. And it's a fascinating study because archaeologists will tell you the walls didn't fall out. They didn't fall in. They literally were as though an angel of God took a sledgehammer and pounded them directly down into the earth. It's a supernatural wonder. And they even are marveling over it to this day, that it's deep beneath the surface and the walls literally crumbled directly down. God gave them this amazing victory so they're all fired up, man, we are taking the promised land, we're going to conquer every city. Then they come to this next little city, this tiny little city that's spelled A-I, and it's pronounced I, or if you're Canadian, eh? And a lot like Canada, they really didn't have a military force. Pretty easy to conquer. Look, no offense to our Canadian brothers and sisters, we all love Pastor Brendan, alright? But... Look, the reality just is, if somebody's attacking North America, Canada ain't going to save us, all right? It's going to be on us. Just real talk. Them them horses ain't going to help that much, okay? Praise the Lord for the mountains. So, you got A, and they're not that big of a city, and so Israel's like, no big deal. We'll just send a few troops. They send 3,000. But the problem is they get their tail kicked. Like, run home, 38 people dead, and a bunch of people just bewildered, everybody's discouraged, fear strikes the heart of the nation of Israel, they don't know what to do. Joshua gets on his face before God and he cries out, God, I thought you were with us, what is going on? And God says, there's sin in the camp. You see, God had asked them for one simple thing. God made a covenant with them and he said, if you will give me all the plunder of the first city, which is Jericho, I'll give you everything else. I will make you successful and you can keep it all, but I need you to give me the first. Same principle he gives us today. He wants to be first in your heart, first in your worship, first in your life, first in your finances, first in your day, first in your week. God wants to be first. And so God wanted to be first for the nation of Israel. And he said, if you'll put me first, then I'll enter into this covenant with you that everything else will be blessed. And yet God said, there's somebody in violation of the covenant. There's sin in the camp. And so God's blessing wasn't there. And I just want to pause for a quick moment. We don't have time for this, but somebody needs to hear it. I just want you to know that oftentimes we're frustrated with God because we feel like he's not blessing our marriage, he's not blessing our kids, he's not blessing our business or our finances. And the reality is maybe you're in breach of covenant. Maybe there are things that you and I are doing that aren't honoring God's word. We can't do marriage our our way, raise our kids our way, do life our way, spend finances our way, and then be mad at God that it's not working. It's not God's fault. God has given us a covenant to live by, and if we'll stand on the principles of his word, he's always there. So they set up this Thanksgiving Day parade, and you ought to read this story because the Bible actually is pretty interesting. And so the entire nation of Israel comes before Joshua, and they're trying to figure out what's happening. And God selects the tribe, then God selects the clan, then God selects the family, and then God singles out this guy named Achan, and Joshua says, Achan, you better start talking. What in the world is going on? Because you're costing all of us. And in verse 20, Achan said, it's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And then he gives us the path of sin that happens for all of us. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar weighing more than a pound. And I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. This is a simple path that every one of us follow. Jot it down if you're taking notes. The first thing is that I saw. We don't have time to go into it, but you can never underestimate the power of what you see. The power of what you consume with your eyes. And we live in a very godless culture today. You probably are already aware of that. But I just want us all to be even more cautious about the things that we're letting into our eyes. The reality is, there is so much perversion in today's culture, and most of that is propagated through television and through what's on the internet. But can we just talk about television alone for just a minute? Do you know the average American now will watch 15 solid years of television by the end of your life? 15 years that the average American would have spent watching television. I hate to be in front of God on Judgment Day on that one. Like 15 years. What would you do with this 15-year gap? <laughs> Entertain myself with filth? <laughs> because you all know that everything that is being created, the majority of what's being propagated to you in those entertainment hours are not done with a spirit of drawing you closer To God's word or the foundation of scripture or the principles of what it's like to be a Christ follower? No, it's with the spirit of the Antichrist, an agenda that's trying to destroy your sexuality, trying to destroy your finances, trying to destroy your marriage, pick apart your family. It's got an agenda to it. Now, I'm not saying we all need to go home and burn the TV, all right? I love television too. I'm just saying we gotta be careful. Because we don't even get wrapped up in all that drama that glorifies sleeping with everybody's husband and wife and running around and killing people and all the stuff that most people watch. We just like to watch sports at the Summerall house. But man, we were just sitting there innocently watching the national championship football game for college football a few days ago. And bam, halftime came and I was like, boys, look at the floor. God in heaven, there's porn on TV right on regular television. If y'all missed it, you do not need to go back and watch. They're like, what is he talking about? I need to investigate (laughs) so I can warn others. I'm just telling you, you could be watching something innocent with sports, and there's garbage that comes on TV trying to evangelize you for whatever product it is, and stuff that would have never been on TV years ago is now in prime time, and you and your children are going to be victimized by it. It's just like, my wife was sitting there. I was like, I'm really uncomfortable. This is awkward for me too. I'm not looking at the TV either. I don't find that attractive. No, you're the love of my life. Make eye contact with me. This is great. I love you. We just got to think about what we're looking at. David messed up his whole life. Because when he was supposed to be at war, he decided to stay home. And all the men were at war, so he just conveniently went to the highest place in the city when people all took baths on their roofs. And it just so happened there weren't any men around, so it was only women bathing. He found Bathsheba. He took a sneak peek. He brought her into his house and ruined his entire life and ended up killing her husband. Psalm 101, he says, I learned my lesson. I'm going to keep my eyes pure. I'm going to stop looking at stuff. Because they gets get you in trouble. So Aiken says, it started with my eyes. I saw this beautiful robe and the 200 silver coins and the bar, the bar of gold, and I wanted it. That's the second stage, is that what you see determines what you desire. And the world knows that. That's why advertising is so great. The other day, I was running an errand a couple of weeks ago, and my daughter and I, we, were, we had gone to an appointment, and it was like the middle of the afternoon, she was like, Dad, I, I accidentally skipped lunch, can you... Grab me something to eat. and I said, sure, baby. What, what would you like? And she said, Taco Bell. And I was like, you're my favorite daughter. I don't know if you know this, but I love Taco Bell. I don't eat it very often, but I think it's great. I don't, most fast food will kill you, but including Taco Bell. But at least after I die, I'll save on funeral expenses because I have all that sodium in me. They don't have to embalm me. I'll just be preserved forever. And so I just, I like bean burritos. They're cheap, and uh, that used to matter to me when I was in college, and I've always had them. And if you order them without onions, which I incidentally hate, then they usually make it pretty fresh, and it tastes pretty good. And it's still got a lot of fat, but it's less fat, and you get good carbs, good protein. Anyway, that's my order, two two bean burritos. But I pull up to this Taco Bell, and they've got this brand-new ordering board. And while I'm ordering my two bean burritos, it says next to it, animated on this colored board. You have ordered this, and since you ordered this, you might like this. And they put this picture up of another burrito that's got like cheese coming out of it, and it's got like beef, and it looks all really yummy, and it's got the name next to it. And then other items start coming up underneath of it, all the things that I might like, and I'm like, wow. (laughs) Now, first of all, I am an American, so I know They don't have that in the store. Like, some professional came and took that picture. Taco Bell's never sold that burrito right there. They they brought in a master chef to make that burrito. And if I order that burrito, it's not looking like that. But guess what? I still wanted it. They're like, would you like anything else? Like, I don't know if you're looking at what I'm looking at, but I need everything to the right of my menu. (laughs) Everything. Just throw it in the cart. I'll take it all. Make it for me now. I want it. Why? Because I saw it. Well, the devil knows that. James chapter 1 says, verse 14, each one is tempted by his own evil desire. He is dragged away and enticed. Did you know that there is evil living inside of you? Even as a follower of Christ, there's this flesh, this human sin nature part of you that wants to drag you away towards sin. The Bible talks about it in Romans and Galatians. There's a tension between the flesh and the Holy Spirit. And God is pulling you to live a righteous life and your flesh is pulling you to go back to sin and to the things your body desires and craves. And you would say, no, I've been a Christian a long time, I don't have trouble with that anymore. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, you're lying to yourself. If you say you don't have the sinful nature, that's what that word sin means. If you say you have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're refusing to accept the truth. The reality is it's there for all of us. And so we have to understand that it's there. And if we see something, it's going to create the unholy and unhealthy desires of the flesh on the inside of us. And that always leads to trouble. He says in verse 21 I wanted them so much that I took a step. We see it, we want it, and then we take it. I see it, I desire it, I'm going to order it, I'm going to click, I'm going to go, I'm going to spend. I'm going to drink it. There's something about that process that works. And the same thing is true with sin. It says each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he's dragged away and enticed. And there's this maturation process. Desire conceives and it gives birth to sinful actions. What you see determines what you desire. What you desire determines what you do. And the devil knows this process. And he says... In the next passage, I wanted them so much that not only did I take them, but now they are hidden. And that's the most toxic thing that we naturally do by our own human nature is that we hide. That goes all the way back to our greatest grandfather, Adam and Eve, in the garden. As soon as he blew it, he sewed together a fig leaf miniskirt and tried to cover it up. The very first thing we do is hide. Hide. We don't automatically go and call a friend. We don't confess. What do we do? We throw the fast food in the trash at the bottom of the trash can in the middle of the fast because we don't want our spouse to know. And even though it's seven degrees, we roll the windows down and try to get that smell of french fries out of the car. Y'all are nervously laughing because you're all guilty. You've done it before. And the devil loves to keep us trapped by this. Most of us spend more energy trying to hide than we do trying to heal. We're trying to cover it all up, and we're spending so much time trying to make sure nobody finds out. If you put that much energy into just being honest and working on it, you'd probably be free by now. We just got to get it out in the open. That's why Paul says we refuse to wear masks and play games. We're not maneuvering and manipulating behind the scenes. We just keep everything we do and say out in the open. That's why Paul is so refreshing as a spiritual leader, because he just puts it out there. And then what happens is, we go through this process. We see it, we want it, we do it, we hide it, and we promise ourselves, I'll never do that again. I don't like the way I feel after that. I feel gross and sinful and, and condemned, and man, it's just terrible. I'm far from God. So we tell ourselves, never again, never again, never again, until the opportunity comes or a weak moment comes, and then I repeat. And we go through the same process. Once you've been through the process the first time, it's easier to do it the second time, easier to do it the third, even easier the fourth. And we get in this place that many of us find ourselves today in this repetitive lifestyle that Paul identified with. He says, I don't understand myself, to be honest. I really want to do what is right. I've got this godly desire, but that's not what I'm doing. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I keep going back to the sin." I keep going back to the brokenness. I keep going back to the addiction. So my question for you today, one more time, is what has mastered you? Where is that process playing out in your life? Different for all of us, and yet it's the exact same process for every one of us. The Bible tells us that freedom is possible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand, and when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. There are three things I want you to see in this passage, but I'm going to give, you, give it to you in the Living Bible, and they'll help you walk in freedom every day of your life if you'll simply embrace it. He starts off by saying, be careful, because if you're thinking, oh, I would never... Behave like that. The Pharisaical attitude of thank God I don't sin like them. Let this be a warning to you, for you too may fall into sin. Number one, jot it down if you're taking notes, you got to be humble if you're going to stay free. Too many people, full of religious pride, who judge others because they sin differently than you. Oh, I would never do crack, I would never cheat on my wife. And yet you're full of lust and checking Instagram every five seconds in your life, way more addicted to your your cell phone than anybody's ever been to any drug. Acting like your life is fine. You know, the truth is, so many times we make this toxic decision to measure ourselves against others. Because it's not that. And because it's not that sin and woo, that's a doozy. I'm great because I'm not doing... Those things. But I would suggest to you that we need to measure ourselves against the standard of Scripture instead of the sins of others. Because maybe God wants to do something in your life. Maybe God is tugging at your heart that now is the time to get some physical discipline. Now is the time to eat a better diet. Why? Because he wants you to be more effective in your purpose and your calling. He wants you to live a long life for your children and for your grandchildren. It's not about a body image. It's not about you just feeling good about yourself. God wants that. But he's got so much more for you to accomplish. And yet you wake up in the morning with that conviction and that determination and that vision that you're finally going to get healthy until you turn on TLC And you're like, well, I didn't get forklifted out of bed today, so I am crushing life. (laughs) Look at that. I'm not that big. And that's the Pharisee who stood up and prayed, I thank God that I'm not like those sinners because look at how good I am. And Jesus said to those people, you are twice as much a son of hell than all these other people caught in addiction. We just need to be humble. We are all sinners Saved by grace. And if you want to live a powerful spiritual life, you're going to have to embrace humility. James 4 says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee. My personal opinion is that the second statement is predicated on the first. You will have no power to resist the devil until you get on your face and humble yourself before God. Because there's no power in the prayer of a self-righteous Christian who thinks you got it all figured out. Because you don't sin or struggle in the same way as others. I think our spiritual authority is connected to our spiritual humility. And until every one of us acknowledges the fact that we are all one step from stupid, you're one decision away from ruining everything that God's given you in your life. And so am I. You need to live with that reality every day. I'm not saying you ought to live out of fear of, oh, I'm going to mess it all up. But you ought to live with the sober judgment that it doesn't take much. I can't trust in myself. I've got to stay on my face before God. I, too, am a sinner. I, too, am broken. I, too, need God's power in my life to live free. We've got to be humble. Then he goes on to say in verse 13, but remember this. The wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new or different because many others have experienced the exact same problems as you. Number two, if you're going to be free, you've got to be human. You know, the devil would love to tell you on the opposite side of the ditch, not the self-righteous ditch, but the self-condemned ditch. Oh, I'm so broken. I'm so messed up. I'm so twisted. I'm so addicted. No one ever has gone through the things I've gone through. No one's ever been as messed up as me. I'm, I'm one of one. God can't help me. And that's the lie that the devil has for you to make you feel like a freak so that you'll be isolated. He's trying to tell you, no, you're the only person going through that. Everybody else is way holier than you. So if you're honest with anybody in your life, if you tell anybody at church what you're going through, they are going to kick you out of the church. Like if you are honest in a circle and tell somebody what you're really thinking, Pastor Dave himself is going to call you by Tuesday and be like, Woo, buddy, you are messed up. I don't know where you went wrong, but you ain't welcome back. God bless. And the truth that you'll find is if you'll be honest, if you'll open your heart to other people, you'll find that there's a thousand other people in this church who are struggling with the same thing you're struggling with. You know why? Because the devil doesn't have that many tricks. He does the same thing to all of us. And he tries to convince you that you're somehow unique so that you'll live in silence because he knows if you stay isolated, you'll stay addicted and trapped. James chapter 5 says it this way. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. you want healing? you want freedom? Find somebody you can be honest with and let them know and you'll be shocked. At their response, because they'll probably say, God just set me free from that. I've got a friend that walked through that. Let's stand in prayer together. I'll call you, and I'll love you, and I will walk with you, and I will be with you. And we're going to get to the other side of this. And then remember this, as you take the journey, no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it, because he promised that he would. And he always does what he says. Number three, you've got to be hopeful. Too many of us have given up hope because the devil has told us, it's been too long for you. You're too broken. Your addiction's too strong. God could set everybody else free, but not you. No, no, this is a generational thing. Everybody in your family has always had a problem with alcohol. That's just who you are. Everybody in your family has always gossiped. That's who you are. You're all people who lie and cheat and steal. That's who you are. And so you tell yourself, It's irresistible. I don't have the ability or the power to say, no, I'm doomed to this life. But nothing could be further from the truth. The devil is trying to steal your vision for what life could be like if you were actually free. Because he knows if he can get your vision that you'll give up. The Bible says without vision, things die. So if you can't see your marriage restored, you'll give up on trying. If you can't see your children come home, you'll stop pursuing them. If you can't see yourself completely free from the addiction, you'll stop walking that path and the devil knows that he's got you. And I've noticed in my own life that every time I try to change, the devil's pretty good at giving me excuses to say the same. You'll leave this place fired up, ready, with a little bit of hope in your heart that things could actually turn, that things could actually change. And the devil will pile on and go, not this week. Too much pressure. Too much heartache. Too much pain. Nobody understands. You're one of one. It's been too long. Trying to get you back to that mindset. Trying to get you back to that trap. Trying to get you back to that place that you believe you have to be the addict. But nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says that his power is there, that he keeps it from being irresistible. So I would just submit to you today that if you remain an addict, it's because you're choosing to stay that way. Because the Bible says God always does what he says. He promised, I'll be there. I will be there to help you. There's nothing in your life that's too difficult that God can't overcome. Verse 13, as we close, he says, I'll show you a way out so you can escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. Number four, you have to be helpable. And I know that's not an English word, but get off of me because I needed an H, all right? It works. (laughs) Just write it down and don't think about it. Some of you have given up hope so you're not looking for any help. And you need to be helpable. We want to help you. God wants to help you. People want to rally around you so that you can live the free life that God's called you to live. But you got to allow it. Most of us don't think we're worthy or we don't think it's possible. We don't think that it's going to happen for us. I want to close with John chapter 3, verse 16. From the message paraphrase. He says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one needed to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Jesus didn't come just to give you fire insurance. He didn't come to get you 75% free. He came to give you life, to give you life to the fullest, whom the son sets free. Is free indeed. You don't have to stay a slave to sin. You can live a victorious life because the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives on the inside of you. You have got to believe it. Freedom is possible. He wants you to live that whole life. And check out what he says as we close in verse 17 God didn't go to all that trouble. Sending his son merely to point an accusing finger and tell the world how bad it was. He came to help. The reason Jesus came was so that he could step into your world at this moment and touch your life. God doesn't just want your victories. God doesn't just want your talents. God doesn't just want your successes. God wants all your failures, all your addictions, and all your sin. He wants to be Lord of every area of your life. He wants it all. Today you have to believe that freedom is possible. The weights that slow us down and the sin that trips us up, this is the year that you can finally get free. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray that God will bring freedom to your life. But I want you to know the first step is to surrender to Jesus. If He's not in your life, then you have no power to change because the only power that will help you change is God's power. Maybe you've never known the Lord and you're at the end of your rope because of whatever behavior that's toxic in your life continues to repeat itself and you know you've tried. You can't change yourself. I want you to know Jesus is the answer. Or maybe you kind of been around the Christian game for a long time. You've done the church thing, but yet there are pockets of your heart you've never surrendered to God. And you so desire to be the person that everyone else thinks you are. You want to get rid of the secret life behind closed doors. I'm telling you, today is the day to completely surrender to Jesus. Give it all to Him. If you're ready to do that, I'm not going to make you stand or come to the front. I'm not here to try to embarrass you or single you out I just want to connect you with Jesus we're going to pray a simple prayer and I would love to know that you want to be counted in on that prayer all across the room would you take just a moment if you're going to stand in agreement with me while no one's looking around would you just lift your hand high to say Dave that's me today I need to pray that prayer come on right now just put your hand up high and say count me in yeah it's amazing All across the room, I'm so proud of you. You can put your hands down. Here's what we'll do. I'm going to give you the words, and you can pray them quietly in your heart, because God will hear you. Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent today. All of my sin, God, I want to change. So I surrender my whole life to you fill me with your power and help me to live a righteous life then just whisper to heaven God I give you my life today in Jesus name I pray God I thank you for every single person here and for the spiritual journey that we are on we take authority over every pattern of behavior that is inherently toxic or sinful the things that are destroying our lives that we cannot change on our own. We break their power in the name of Jesus off of every person's life today. We stand on the promise of your word that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. God, you promised that there would never be temptation that's too strong for us to resist and that your power would be there for us to escape. God, I pray that would be reality this week. That in every moment where sin comes to tempt us, that we would find that way out by the power of the Holy Spirit that we would say yes to God and no to sin. God, I pray that you would open our hearts to the possibility of how good you are and the freedom that you could give us if we would just simply trust in you. God, we thank you for great relationships who would come alongside us that we can be open and honest with who will stand with us and pray for us. God, we thank you for the vision that you're placing even now in our hearts of what life would look like if we were to truly be free. God, we thank you for the amazing blessings on this spiritual journey and for the light that we can be to the world around us as we tell of how good God has been to us and his power that's at work in our lives. God, we love you today. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen. Amen. Come on, church. Would you celebrate with those who prayed that prayer today? Thank you so much for joining iTown Church online today. We would love to have the chance to meet you and your family in person at one of our campuses. Or, of course, you can join us streaming live online this weekend. Now, for more details about times and locations and even some of our streaming options, you can go to iTownChurch.com sure hope to see you soon. God bless.